Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. So anyway, let's get the formalities out of the way. My name's Aiden Jones. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the uh, Christian anarchist that, that I mentioned. Yes, I, uh, I, I remember. I barely skimmed over your email because um, I was playing lots of video games yesterday and reading One Piece, and those are very important to me. So you're going to have to reiterate <laughs> your disagreements with me. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, so the main things I wanted to talk about were mainly uh, Marxism. Uh, let me get my email up, actually, because I think I forgot to. It was Marxism, uh, LGBT issues, uh, I believe it was also abortion philosophy, and if you're brave enough, uh, theology. I guess, even though I'm aware that's not really a wheelhouse or anything, but you know. Um, I feel like I'm I'm confident enough in any of those subjects. What do you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I reckon uh, we could probably start with Marxism because uh, there's a few things like because I would consider myself um, pretty left leaning. However, there's a few areas of left-leaning thought, I guess you could say, that I'm not quite aligned with. And I guess we could, yeah, Marxism would be one of them, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, one, like, well, first of all, I am, like, even though I am an anarchist and I do believe in a lot of left-leaning economic policies, for example, I think that uh, uh, a lot of Marxist principles, well, again, I, my Western an imperialist education has taught me that Marxism is the uh, the poopy head economics philosophy or whatever. But um, yeah, so I guess we could start there. I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, um, if you're an anarchist, then you already would have had to have defied a lot of the more hege hegemonic Western capitalist cultural propaganda, right? I mean, surely if you're an anarchist, you're familiar with most of the retorts people would use to besmirch Marxism. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like the, a lot of those um, retorts are completely invalid, but some of them aren't quite. Um, I guess uh, the main, to be specific, the main area that I'm uh, that I have an issue with with Marxism is uh, like historical materialism, for example. So I think that would be a good place to start. Um, even though I do think historical materialism is a pretty, it's pretty useful when applied in certain circumstances. I do think it has a lot of limitations. And I think the fact that Marx was such a materialist has really weighed down leftist like thought. Like anytime anybody has to talk about what communism could look like or what any ideal society could look like, it always has to be framed in the from the framework of Marxism and what Marx did. So it feels like we're sort of haunted by his ghost as it were. You know what I mean? Well, and I um I don't necessarily like he never really painted as I go on. Oh, I just, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I'm not like um, a proselytizer for orthodox Marxism or anything. And he was a modernist, which I'm not. Um, dialectical materialism and historical materialism are good sociological frameworks. They're useful in their analysis, but they're not holistic. Nothing can be. I don't disagree with that at all. And I do think that the obsession with um, historical materialism as a single unifying mode of historical analysis does sometimes cripple leftists especially when they um when it comes to uh, modern pragmatic issues i'm like i'm not i'm not like an orthodox marxist right, or anything like, like that i would disagree on, on a great many things with some marxists oh well fair enough then but like um i got you still have described yourself as a materialist for example and i guess i'm more in the hegelian idealist sort of camp 
you know, I'm saying these words like I know what they mean, but you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, I mean, naturally I am Christian. So if I'm going to be adopting any philosophy, it's probably going to be idealism, I guess. Um, but why? one of my bigger criticisms of Marx was that he never really, well, why am I uh, an idealist? What's the relationship in your mind between being religious and being an idealist? Well, I, to me, uh, spiritual concepts are not really that categorically different from abstract concepts, that ultimately a spiritual concept is, a, is basically a rational concept in the sense that it appeals to something that is immaterial, but uh, can, like, it doesn't really exist in the real world, but it does exist in, certain, in like, the world of forms, I guess you could say, if that makes sense. Like, for example, you can make like, a lot of uh, rational, logical proofs for like, God or whatever, that sort of thing. People in the have same argued way that, that you can make arguments. Yeah, like in the same way that you can make arguments for like, I guess, math existing or something like that. Not to say that the two are like comparable in the same way, but like, but you know, like they're both uh, in the realm of rationality, I would say. The distinction between Hegelian idealism and Marxist materialist um, thought is driven mostly by what you think has the larger impact on historical forces. But I think even if you're religious, which, I mean, of course, many socialists have been historically, um, you can still believe that material forces are that which have the greater effect on human history and historical development. And my issue, like, I, I, or, or to put it another way, if you're dealing with spiritual issues, they tend to be metaphysical in nature. And many Christians will readily admit that, you know, the, uh, God is a kind of watchmaker who set in motion all these forces, principles, and objects. And it is by those mechanisms that we all follow, you know? Like, if you follow the, the watchmaker um, interpretation of God's creation, it would sort of necessarily follow that it would be through the, um, the, the interactions of these forces um, materially that would lead to the development of human historical progress. I just don't think there's necessarily like a deterministic relationship between idealism and being religious. Well, yeah, so there's two points there. Well, I guess that's mainly my concern that I like basically the tension is that you either believe like human behavior and ideals is what drives history or material circumstances. And I am on the side of believing that ideals are the stronger force because I, I am aware that like, for example, material conditions obviously play a huge, huge part in you know our behavior and how society develops. But I still think that of the two forces, um, ideals and behaviors and like that sort of thing are the stronger driving force, mainly because you could say, for example, a lot of our lives and human behavior is determined by, um, you know, like our, our society, basically, that, you know, whether or not you're poor, what area you grow up in, et cetera, et cetera. But then we have to ask the question, well, then what determines our society? You know, it's, it's a bit of a chicken and egg sort of thing where it's like, you know, our, our environment's determines us but we determine our environment at the same time and i think that we humans are ultimately the stronger force in that sense if that makes sense it's a broad analytical thing but of course we also control the material factors you could argue that the material factors include our interests as a class and that it's through our interests at a class that we shape ideology you know marx would have argued that modern uh bourgeois ideology is a product of their intent on keeping class relations favorable to their interests um, as the bourgeois. Uh, but it, it's, this is a largely non-falsifiable point. It's what mode of analysis you choose to engage with. It's not like there's any hardcore data on like, well, actually, it's the, you know, five ideas to every seven materials is the ratio. So, you know, whatever you prefer to analyze.
Yeah, that's fair enough. But I think like one of the limitations of using historical materialism as the the main thing is that, well, ironically, um, well, well, there's two things. Well, first of all, like I said before, Marx didn't really give us a good picture of what an ideal society would look like other than very vague, broad strokes, nothing uh, too specific. Um, and I think when it comes to like leftist uh, sort of uh, systems that we we've come up with that have actually been more specific. For example, I'm a massive fan of anarcho-syndicalism, but if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm one of the few anarcho-syndicalists. That's why I consider myself an anarchist. But I I'm one of the few anarcho-syndicalists that sort of realizes anarcho-syndicalism isn't really communism. But I'm like okay with that if that makes sense. A lot of anarcho-syndicalists will say, "Oh no no no, it's communism," but like. That's the thing. I don't really see it as communism, if that makes sense. It's fine. Because it still requires a free market sort of thing. Well, it doesn't, I don't think it requires a free market. You know, it requires, um, it, re it requires like self-interested economic, um, you know, blocks and, and, and worker communes. I think, um, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me, like the details of a future society. Uh, I, I feel like leftists have wasted a lot of time trying to conceptualize it. If you, you have to put, you know, you, you, the only direction you can ever go, no matter which direction you're choosing to head in, the only step that you can take when walking up a staircase is the next one. Um, there's no alternative to that. I feel like when you put the, the destination ahead of the, um, the means by which you will journey there, you get like these really weird, abstract, meaningless, hypothetical, political obsessions that don't have any relationship to reality or what we can do in reality, which is why leftists in the West are like, you know, killing each other over which particular flavor of communism they want. Meanwhile, like <laughs> capitalism is more entrenched than it's ever been in all of human history. It's completely meaningless. Well, see, I had actually very much disagree there because I think the main reasons that leftists are divided is because of like that we don't have a, a single unified idea to unite behind. If we could like really lay out a, a picture of what exactly it is we want and unify behind that because it's always been it'll sort never of, happen even it's if, impossible well well i mean maybe not so much with leftists but if you look throughout human history it has always been like these grand myths i don't think that communism has to be like a myth or untrue or anything but you know myth in the sense that it's a you know a story that brings us together sort of thing that very much gets that sort of abstract ideals you know like of heroism of progress whatever it may be i strongly and disagree I think that this is your really, idealism what gets these big so. movements moving is materialism. What led to capitalist um, like modes of production and flourishing was not the ideological precedent, but rather changes in the modes, means, and consumption of production uh, that allowed for its possibility. Every time this happens, you have this great historical economic shift. You know, you have like um, the agricultural revolution, and you have empires, and you have colonialism, and you have mercantilism, and all this, what have you, you know, feudalism. It's not developed by people, you know, sitting there and thinking, oh, wouldn't this be a great idea on its own? The, the advancements of class dynamics and technological progress allow for different types of optimized production and consumption. Um, the only thing that can unify people behind a common socialist ideal is to set the stage for socialism to be the only logical and productive um, and efficient mode of economic production. Everything has to be set in its place. It has to be the next logical step. You, you, can, you can't leap steps over history. You, you have to take the next one. Uh, you have to go where, where, um, where, where historical progression follows. 
Well, well, yeah, like I said, I don't disagree that material circumstances have a massive part to play. And I would still employ like historical materialism as a mode of analysis, but like you said, not the only one. But the thing is, right, you mentioned how like or everything needs to be set in place and then people will start to rally behind socialism. Kind of like if we start taking over the government or whatever, however we do it, and we, you know, make social like, you know, basically we start implementing policies that, you know, are socialist or whatever. You know, that will start to get people on board with socialism. But once again, it's the chicken or the egg thing. So how do you get people rallied behind, uh, you know, uh, I guess those sorts of principles? Well, I don't think like you, without, I don't think you do ideal. get people. Principles are irrelevant. It's not, it's not like capitalism happened because a bunch of people were ideologically capitalists. Like capitalism didn't happen because millions of members of the peasantry and proletariat like rose up and were like, we now ideologically believe in capitalism. That came afterwards. The ideology was post-hoc. Um, it was something that the elites um, uh, uh, disseminated to legitimize the systems that were put into place. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with changing people's minds. Uh, it's, it's, it's about getting a critical mass of people um, together who believe in some kind of single change and that change is endemic to or leads to uh, socialism being the only like viable means of production in the future. You know, it's it's not about getting people ideologically on board with socialism. It's just about like getting people's basic needs aligned with whatever changes would be necessary uh, to fulfill them. And that would have to be socialism. Right, but okay, so here, here would be an example, right? In the Catholic Church, which, by the way, I despise, I'm not that kind of Christian, and to be fair, neither are the Catholics Christian, but I don't want to get into that just yet. Um, but uh, it, the thing is, is that the Catholic Church basically had a thing against what they would call usury, quote unquote, and basically it meant that like you couldn't charge interest on anyone, and that would have hamstrung capitalism for quite a bit, like you would, it would be very difficult to start your own businesses based on the policies of the, of the Catholic church, pretty much, except to like, I guess if you were like, you know, Jewish, you, you wouldn't have those rules and you would be allowed to, and that's how they would primarily do it. But it was very much limited in its capacity. You couldn't do it as much as you would like to. Now, when the reformation happened, which was very ideologically charged, I think you would agree, like the reformation happened purely, like there were no material, like material circumstances definitely helped the reformation because he wouldn't, like Martin Luther would never have been able to do what he did without the printing press. However, the ideals that drive, drived all that happening were purely, he had a problem with the fact that Catholics were all being hypocrites. And that's basically what started it all. And then after that, you have the Calvinists who were, um, were the deterministic ones who were extremely, uh, basically, th their theology is such that the only way you can prove that you've been saved by God because they have no way of knowing is that if you do good works, even though good works aren't supposed to save. It's a whole complicated process. But basically, their theology accidentally made them more capitalist, and that's what sort of caused it to flourish perhaps more than what it would have. Now, does that mean that capitalism wouldn't have happened had all this stuff not happened? No, I think it still would have happened. The material conditions, like you said, would have brought it about eventually. But it's when it's like, can it happen earlier than it could have? I think it could have but if there are like the ideas behind it. You're missing the preceding steps. The only reason religious leaders insisted to their flock that it was virtuous to do hard work for those above you was because they lived in theocratic states where the church's interests were aligned with those of the monarchy. 
No, no, you're, that, that's where you're wrong. I'm talking about the Calvinists here in particular who were very much against, well, because all Reformationists were against the, you know, the Catholic Church who was the archetype of this, you know, authoritarian theocracy that ruined people's lives. You know, you know the Reformationists formed, didn't want that. They still formed their own communities. And even within those communities, they people in charge of the church benefited from the hard, unrequited work of their flock. This even happened when um, when folks moved over to America. Like the Mormons did the same thing, you know, the inherent moral virtue of hard work. But Mormons have never controlled the United States. I mean, not in its totality, at least. But back when they were limited just to like small Mormon towns and stuff, they still pushed that angle. Um, one of the reasons that slave owners taught Christianity to the slaves was because of the Protestant work ethic, you know, the idea that like, um, you know, maybe life sucks for you now because you're a slave, but if you work hard, you get to heaven and like, it'll all be fine there. So yeah, just like be content with this. At least you're being well, given the opportunity to do hard work. But all of it is born that... out of class dynamics to begin with. Like all this is being done because it's profitable to get your flock to be productive in that way. Well, see, that's the thing, like um, the core of Protestant Christianity the thing that if you ask any Protestant that this is the drum, drum they will bang, and that is that faith alone is what saves. There's this whole dichotomy within our religion about does faith save or does works save? And by faith, I mean just believing in God and maybe repenting and works meaning like, you know, donating to charity or, you know, doing hard work or getting baptized, whatever it is. And it is the core defining aspect of Protestantism that works do not save. It is the thing they will die on a hill for. And yet, like, that's that's a yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, they will still like get people to work, but it is not the thing that they. It's literally will, called um, the Protestant work ethic. The idea that working hard, like it beget, like um. In America, you have like um, faith seating, where the idea of like you know like working and donating money to your mega churches will. Um, beget further outcomes for you and you have to work hard to plant that initial seed the idea yeah, like and, and the, the idea it, actually i'm just i'm just pointing out like the, sorry, yeah, the idea on, sorry. that it's virtuous to work hard for your betters has been a component of basically every single institutionalized religion in the past several thousand years like no matter where you go shintoism buddhism confucianism hinduism um christianity and its thousand different sects judaism um islam there's always some overriding um a, a pressure on the part of the flock to like work hard for your betters and whether that's like the elders or like the um or like the community at large or like it's 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 always in some way a reaffirmation of one class's interests over another and i mean you know throughout history it the rule rather than the exception has been religious leaders working with governmental leaders so it's not surprising that those um elements would uh, uh you know continue to manifest right so i so i guess from your perspective right religion is very much just a if not like a product of people just guessing wrong it is a tool to control the populace right like that's that that would be your perspective on it i'm yeah. guessing uh maybe accidentally i don't think it's like all being done in a sinister and deliberate right. fashion yeah. by people at the top but yeah i think that's the the purpose that it serves you know so then religion would be no more any different than any other institution and it would therefore be a product of its circumstances right it would be a product of what is materially um incentivized right yes so then why is the core like this is like core christianity basically that you cannot work hard to get to heaven it is physically impossible in fact the early christian church was so adamant about this that if you believed you could work to get to heaven that would cause you that's like the one of the very few things that could cause you to not go to heaven is believing you can work to earn it 
the moment you add works, you've lost your salvation. At least this is a very can, much I Protestant. Mean, uh, you can say that if you want, but the Protestant work ethic is one of the most well-recognized, like religious socionomical phenomenon around. Like the text of the religion is uninteresting to me. People do what what is actually like you know socially begot from um from the um the, the culture of the religion you know like what what christianity says and what it like actually leads to are two very different things and it's like we we know for a fact that historically and contemporarily there is um uh, absolutely like a, a culture of using faith as a way of um prompting proletarian uh, compliance within their class interest. Otherwise, what was all that bullshit about teaching the slaves? I mean, that wasn't just like a couple of plantations. The, as a whole, I'm pretty sure black people today in America are more Christian than white people, and that's because damn near every slave ship that was brought over would be proselytized to. I and mean, we're talking tens of millions of people in a coordinated effort across the like half a country in order to indoctrinate all of them into a certain set of beliefs. That's not, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty exceptional coincidence if there's no class interest. I mean, they didn't even think the slaves were human, basically, but they still felt a need to tell them that hard work would get them to heaven, you know? Well, I wouldn't say that's the thing. You're saying that hard work would get them to heaven. From my perspective, uh, they would probably just evangelizing them because they were quite literally a captive audience. And evangelists love them to death, but they're annoying. We are. We are. We're, I'll say we. we. We are very annoying, and we will evangelize to anyone who will listen. And I very much doubt, like, if they were um, preaching uh, Christianity, but then they weren't um, mentioning all the numerous, numerous, numerous verses that say, works will not get you to heaven, works will not get you to wait, heaven. Christians and, ignore way, verses all the time in the Bible. Wait, Christ, wait, hold on. What the Christians do oh, have, has yeah, nothing no, no, to do with true. the Bible. That's, Two totally different that, that, things. Yeah, that, that is very true. And that's one of the uh, issues that I do have with Christianity. I, I very much um, there we go. Want, to, want to improve Christianity from within. I'm not, I'm not trying to de defend that aspect of it. Well, what I'm the, trying to say is, is that if, if we agree that there's no adherence to the text, then there you go. Like, I, not always. If, if like, the text of the a, Bible, it, you know, says you cannot work your way into heaven, that's fine. But you know, clearly, several hundred million people never got the memo. Yeah, that's well, that's very much true with the with the Catholic Church, isn't it? Like, don't get me wrong. When it comes to people who are self interested, and that's like their primary motivation, which is going to be a lot of people, the material circumstances are going to be the carrot that drives them around because they're going to seek the incentives that the material circumstances create. That's why, for example, the Catholic Church does like it is a, it is a running joke how comically the Catholic Church deviates from all of Scripture. Literally everything that defines the Catholic Church is laughably different from what the Bible teaches. You know, you've got the Catholic Church who are very elitist, very, and they pretend to care about the poor and all that. And then you, you have Jesus who was like a, you know, uh, you know, would, would wear rags and heal the sick and really get in the dirt and all that sort saying, of stuff. And if you, yeah, it's, if you Google like Christianity moral to work hard, you'll find like a ton of sources from institutions and religious websites talking about the Christian work ethic and the virtue of working hard as a labor of love to your God, um, as like a as like a demonstration of worth to your community, as like a service to the church and to the institutions that support it. I, like the the idea, like it's it's the it's the Protestant work ethic. I, you know, again, like I. Right. I I don't want to d debate like orthodox religious yeah, yeah, yeah. text to you or anything. It's just like... in, in a practical sense, like Christians absolutely um, do 
do in their in their proselytizing, they absolutely do try to get like the proletarians working hard. Well, yeah, that that is true. Like, it's not as if they try to avoid people like working hard because it's like you know the main reason that Protestants work hard is not because it's compelled, at least not compelled by God. It's probably compelled by those people, for sure. But um, like, as far as like the reason we do good works is the same reason, ironically, that secular people do them. It's because they are good. You know, we, we do good things because they are good things. That's, that's the motivation there. We're not going to have heaven yoinked from us if we don't you know, harvest those crops. Good in the sense that uh, it's, well, are we like, sorry, like, well, sorry, does it, could, what well, do you mean? well, as I understand it, if you do good things, that increases the likelihood of you going to heaven, right? No. Not, not at all. Not not even close. That that's the key Wait, thing. Wash is that, that's the being one good thing. versus being bad doesn't influence your likelihood of going into heaven under most Protestant religious. It shouldn't so, if if they're being consistent. That's right. It makes no difference. Then what? Then why on earth <laughs> yeah. do Christians talk nonstop about doing evil or doing good to get into heaven or to get to hell? Because they're assholes and they're manipulative and they're butchering Christ. Wait, no, and so, well, like you said, this is, they are. Okay, then your version of religion has nothing to do with like the reality most people live with. Then the idea that like Christianity that's, as a whole yeah. isn't preaching do good things to get into heaven, do sins to get into hell. Like that's absolutely one hundred percent. Whether or not the text says that or you follow that is irrelevant. That is the impact that religious thinking has, like on hundreds of millions of Christians the world around. That's it's not. That's not like an okay, obscure so, misinterpretation. So, so let me just establish something. So let, let's say that you have a list of everything that Christianity says, like what the Bible says or whatever it is, right? And then you have what the um, followers themselves actually end up working out, right? And let's say that there's a massive difference because that's not exactly a hypothetical now, is it? You have what Christianity says and what people do. Which is true Christianity to you? Is it what the text actually says or is it what, how people actually practice it? How people practice it. See, to me, that's uh, very there's, different because how people there's no true Christianity. It it's just like, why would I care about like a like a hypothetical set of fantasy rules when hundreds of millions of people are following a different set of rules? Like, I the the first the former is just of no concern to me. There's nothing to emulate, model, replicate. I don't want a better Christianity. Christianity is what it is, and as long as Christianity is, you know. Um, dictated primarily by people with a different class interest than the proletariat, Christianity will remain fundamentally a bourgeois um, set of religious prescriptions. It will be an ally, a tool of the bourgeois, as it has been historically for a long time. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, if you, it, it, it seems weird to me that like you could like read the Bible and it says things like, you know, I think in James five or something like that. You know, like it literally says, "Woe to you!" I can't. I don't know the verse off the top of my head, but like something like, "Woe to you, rich people!" Uh, you, or basically, eat the rich. I'll, I'll summarize it by saying it literally just says, "Eat the rich." Unambiguously, it's pretty. Well, it is. It it does suck that Christians like, in America disproportionately voted for Trump, a literal billionaire. The Christian vote went to the swindling wannabe incestuous pedophile epstein friend billionaire who's unapologetically shamelessly in love with his own wealth i, I like what the bible actually says is is of no relevance whatsoever to christians that is that is a sad reality I, I will actually agree with that like don't get me wrong i am like i am a pretty big critic of Christi Christianity myself being a Christian, obviously, like I'm a Christian anarchist, I'm obviously going to have a, 
issue with a lot of what many Christians, um, you know, practice and the way that they, um, a lot of them are basically hypocrites, right? Well, that's all I care about. I I mean, there's no hypothetical true Christianity for me to compare them to. It's only ever going to be um, what people practice in my mind. See, that, that, that's something I can't wrap my head around because if Christianity is itself an idea or a religion, like religions are themselves ideas, they're a set of moral prescriptions, they're a set of axiomatic claims, whatever you want to say, but they're ideas. So if you can't say that the ideas themselves are what make them true, like what, what is true Christianity, that's like saying, you know, mathematics, you know, mathematics says that um, two plus two equals four, but if everyone's living as if two plus two equals three, the difference well, is, is that, does that, that become true mathematics just because people like that doesn't well, make what the, is is true the difference is that two plus two does equal four but what happens in the bible isn't real uh and its prescriptions are just guys writing stuff down so we're talking about a fundamental like construction of reality and a way of understanding reality juxtaposed to obviously what i as a secular person am going to think is just any other fictitious book um, like if for, for me, it would be like, it, like you might as well be talking about the behavior of Harry Potter fans versus like the actual books, you know, I have no interest whatsoever in some kind of hypothetical true X or Y, because it's just as real as any misinterpretation of the text, right? Like thinking, I, we, thinking Dumbledore was can, born in like 1293 is just as wrong as thinking he was born in like 1372 or whatever. Like both of them are, e- could be equally real, you know? Okay, well, we can debate whether or not the claims of the Bible and the claims of mathematics are equally true. I like to be perfectly honest. I don't necessarily believe in biblical inerrancy, right? But and so that kind of makes me a bad Christian or whatever. But I, I anyway. But let me use that Harry Potter example then. If you had a bunch of people who say, "Yeah, we're Harry Potter fans," but then they dress like RoboCop, they re- they just go around shooting like lasers out of their hands. To you, that person is just as much as a Harry Potter fan as the person who waves a wand around going Wingardium Leviosa well, and all that crap. If that was like so a like, several thousand year old tradition and like mi- hundreds of millions of people were all like, yeah, Harry Potter, and then they put on like the Robocop helmet or whatever, then yeah, Harry Potter would become that. Because fictitious stories are only as real as our perceptions of them. So if you like reach a point where the predominant cultural narrative around one set of untrue things becomes another equally untrue set of things that's there's no utility in preferring one to the other outside of like um historical bookkeeping i guess you know um but in in that case like yeah sure then that would be harry potter to us right we do that with lots of stuff there are lots of foods that we don't call by their original names anymore like people will be like yeah i'm cooking a baklava and it's like well, that wasn't actually called that. This thing used to be that. Or like, this wasn't originally a donut. This was actually this type of thing. And this thing, the croissant looked like this before. And, you know, and, and like crepes used to look like this, but now they look, you know, but like whatever people, things are what they're, what they're referred to. I don't think there's like a true crepe, right? I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, it, pizzas used to be really different. Let me tell you, it's an old recipe. They used to be very, very different, but we call modern pizzas pizzas. Yeah, I wouldn't say like, that's not a real pizza, you know, and like, Refer well, to what some it means earlier. to be a pizza, you know, can change depending on what the higher ideal of it is meant to serve. Because at the end of the day, what a pizza is meant to be is meant to be, you know, based on it has bread, cheese, and some tomato sauce or whatever. And it's it meant to serve the higher ideal of it tasting good and providing nutrition, right? So as long as it's serving that higher ideal, then it's a, I guess it's close to the idyllic idea of what a pizza is meant to be in the world of forms or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't really believe in higher ideals right now, of but... concepts. Uh, you know, I take a Wittgensteinian approach to all this. You know, things are what we refer to them as. 
and they only are those things insofar as they describe a common understanding of that thing. Um, so, so I think what this is um, born from is really what we talked about at the start with this tension between idealism and materialism. So let me use like a little thought experiment to explain why I believe in idealism over materialism. So imagine you had a rationalist, right? He's a bit of an idealist and he's holding a coin. And he says, if I flip this coin, it's 50-50 it's if I get heads. But along comes Mr. Empiricist and he says, ah, what rubbish. And he's got, you know, devil horns and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And he says... You don't know that getting a coin, you know, will, you know, flipping a coin will get 50-50. You have no way of knowing that. That's just an abstract ideal you came up with in your head. I'll tell you what, though. I'll do an experiment and look at what the physical material circumstances say because we'll let the empirical evidence decide. And so he flips a coin, let's say, 100 times, and he gets 60 heads and 40 tails. That's not 50-50. All right, well, let's say he tries the experiment again. He gets 51 heads, 59 tails. Well, that's still not 50-50. It's close, but it's not 50-50. And then next he gets, you know, all sorts materialism, of different outcomes. Materialism isn't about ignoring the, like, abstract mathematical concepts or constructions. Materialism <gasps> is just about, a, it's an it's a analytical framework where you understand that class conflict and the dialectical process of resolving those conflicts is the primary driving force behind um, human social development. But you, you, that doesn't. I don't think that necessarily entails like an, a a rejection of um, like mathematical proofs. You know, you kind of have right, to have those to function. Right, and I don't think rationalism means rejecting materialism either. But here's the question, right? You have the fifty-fifty probability, which is rational. It's a rational concept, and then you have the uh, the coin, or the actual material, uh, the expression of that probability, right? Which is more true? Which is closer to what is true? Is it the 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 um, experimental empirical evidence, which never comes up 50-50 or maybe very rarely does, or is it the rational 50-50 concept, which is more true? But they're not they're not in conflict. This is just a, the nature of probabilistic calculations. You you can it's, arrive. Yeah, it's at... the nature of that because because that's because ra rational co co uh, rational probability is more true than the actual empirical expression of it. That's why rational truths are more well, superior it's not, to well, it's empirical not, ones. It's not that it's more true. It is true that the coin landed on heads sixty times and tails forty times. That's an empirical fact. They're both empirical facts. You have the abstract probability, and then you have the manifestation of that probability in a given set of outcomes. And then you have two things, the hypothetical proportion of heads versus tails, and the actual set of outcomes. But they don't conflict with each other. Only an irrational person would look at one and deny the existence of the other. They both exist without conflict. Right, but like that, you're only saying that from the perspective of a, a rational framework. So the only way that you can say that the empirical evidence, which displays, like, if we take that example, none of it, none of those times it did show up fifty-fifty. However, you can explain using another rational concept, like the bell curve thing. However, you know, like the probability of like the area under the bell curve that explains why um, it's not always going to show up fifty-fifty. But that's another rational framework to explain the um why the material reality doesn't necessarily one-to-one -one correlate with the rational framework but this doesn't so, conflict like with material analysis there's there's a difference between a, a mathematical probabilistic estimation or calculation and like the idea of there being an ideal form of a pizza they're entirely different things one of them can be arrived at through calculation the other one is a moral prescription um 
you know, like, or to put it, to put it another way, like if, if you wiped out all of humanity and tried to like reconstruct all of this, um, in absentia, like without us present, like aliens or whatever, or other evolved animals that come after us, you know, you, they could arrive at the hypothetical 50, 50 calculation, but absent cultural context, they would never know what the ideal pizza is. It's, it's, it's a value that exists entirely within our own like preset moral and social expectations. Right. Well, and they would have like different tastes that have arrived out of different evolutionary pressures and things like that. So yeah, like what an ideal, I guess, any kind of food to them would be different based on what their needs are and things like that. If they're like a different aliens or different humans that live in a different society. Even, and even amidst humans today, nobody knows what the ideal pizza is. We literally have like intercity conflicts in America over what style <laughs> of pizza is best. Like clearly there's not an ideal pizza. We just have a general like preference for things that taste good and nobody can really agree exactly on what that is well i'm not one of those uh a, what's the word non-pluralists i guess well i'm only a little pluralist in my idealism like i think there can be multiple different ideas of what it means to be the ideal of something like depending on what it is that you know but just because there's multiple ideas doesn't mean it doesn't exist within like certain boundaries right like an ideal pizza would have to have in some way uh, bread, cheese, uh, you know, the sauce, but it couldn't have like, it couldn't just be like a cake or something like, or no, it couldn't good. just be literally something that grows out of the ground or something. There are pizzas without not... cheese and without sauce though. I've never seen a pizza without bread, but I'm sure given enough time, somebody will invent one and people will be like, yeah, it's a pizza. And like, you know, they'll, they'll roll with it. Right. And it's, I guess, I guess that's Cauliflower kind of, pizza. it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that kind of um sort of uh, that sort of goes into that whole what is a chair thing, doesn't it? Well, but yeah. Like... I don't I don't believe in the ideal form of anything, so I can't. So I like I, I, I the circles we're running in right now. I would I would maintain for literally any concept. Um, you know, even mathematical ones. Uh, you know, there's still like um scientific epistemology that people can learn about, and like even mathematical proofs are dependent upon certain um presuppositions that we have to make though those are a lot more abstract of course because uh, mathematical calculations are more divorced from immediate uh, material considerations and sensory input right so like if we're doing like the epistemology sort of chicken and the egg thing which is more important empirical information or rational information you got to sort of figure out well what's all truth based on right is it is all truth based on empirical reality like is, is rationality just a, a way of um, explaining empirical reality, which is the real truth? Or is empirical reality the shadow on the wall that Plato described in his allegory of the cave and the, you know, the rationality is the true thing? And I would say that because all claims of truth are built on the rational assumption that truth itself is truth, which is, you know, like because there are smart asses out there that reject that idea for whatever reason. Yeah, just there, because they're being there's, at least, there's at least one of them in this call right now, actually. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, wait. Do you believe that truth is not actually truth? I'm a postmodernist. I have to. I, well, I thought postmodernism was just like you didn't believe that there was one idea of truth, but they could all. I didn't realize it was actually a rejection of the concept of truth. Well, it, there's a belief in a utilitarian value of some types of truth over others, but if you don't necessarily believe in a fundamental truth, a one singular truth, you have to understand that. As long as there are different like perspectives on truth, there must necessarily be some kind of external criteria by which we're valuing some types of truth or others, right? And that would be a form of subjectivity. Um, obviously, I would still disagree with people who have different ideas on truth because having a subjective take on something or an intersubjective take 
doesn't mean that you can't have disagreements with other people with intersubjective takes. Right, but the issue is, is like, if I say the words, truth is truth, that's saying A equals A. This is the most fundamental, basic level of logic we can go with. Like, if we reject this, there's no way to be able to describe anything. All logic and all rationality has to go out the window if we can't say A equals A, truth equals truth. I agree with um, so, Right, so if truth then equals truth, and that is something like we essentially, we don't have to believe it because like you said, you're a postmodernist, you can technically reject it. And technically, in a sense, saying truth equals truth because there's no, like you're at the bedrock of epistemology. There's no other faith. There's no other, sorry, there's no well, other the, the, truth that you can use to support that. The, uh, the core of tautology is that it doesn't really tell you anything, right? Like if you think truth equals yeah. truth, that's fine, but that doesn't necessarily mean that truth exists in an objective sense. Um, that would just mean that it is what it is. But I believe that all things are what they are. Um, in some senses. I mean, that's more philosophy than anything, right? You know? Uh, is right. your brother your brother? Or if they abandoned you at a critical moment in the battlefield, are they no longer your brother? Well, what do you mean by brother? Do you mean like a comrade? Or do you mean like biological your brother, you know? Is someone your brother if you fought with them for 20 years, but they're not literally related to you? Well, like, so even in tautology, there are, there are, is a brother a brother? Well, you know, it's... Well, I agree it, with that. Because one like, could argue. I actually... Well, yeah, I, I actually ha only have half brothers and I have like a stepdad and everything like that. But because my stepdad was the one who essentially raised me as much as he was, as much as, you know, I don't always agree with him on a lot of things and he can be a bit of a dick. I still consider him my father. I don't call him stepdad. I call him my father because, you know, he was the one who raised me. And at the end, of the, I, of the reason I basically, I base this on the idea that like if they have the essence of what it means to be a father, then they're my dad, you know, like if they're the one that raised me, they were the, the you know, they had the essence of what it means to be a fatherly figure, then that's what they were, you know. But this is not the only truth. And what a fatherly figure is, is hardly a settled objective issue, no? Um, well, I guess that's, you know, why I got to debate bro more so that the rest of the world can realize I'm right, they're wrong, and they can suck my dick. Well, sure, of course, obviously, that's the <laughs> point of believing in multiple truths, right? To argue that your interpretations are better. But the only point that I'm arriving at here, these are all linguistic traps at any rate. You can't communicate right, ideas. You can only ever communicate ideas through language indirectly. And the language that we use is inarticulate and incapable of truly translating the things that we're thinking at any given point. We don't really discuss concepts. We discuss commonly agreed upon terms to refer to concepts. And behind all those layers of abstraction, the idea of arguing over fundamentals, certainly metaphysics, seems to me like mostly a waste of time. I don't believe in metaphysical conversations because I don't think we can really meaningfully weigh in on them. And I certainly don't believe in dictating anything in reality uh, based on metaphysical presuppositions, hence my problem with religion. Um, uh, you know, but I, you, then again, if, if, if you consider truth equals truth to be a metaphysical proposition, then I'm afraid we're going to have to let that bear on reality. That's just the way it's going to be. You have to make some presuppositions in order to arrive at basic understandings of the world. Like, for example, you have to trust the idea of sensory input. You have to believe that you are participating in reality because if you can't do that, you can't really do anything. Um, but I don't think that just because some metaphysical, um, presuppositions have to be made that necessarily means that all metaphysical presuppositions are justified or necessary or useful. I think that only the ones that have to be made in order to participate uh, should be justified. Perception, input, you know, sensory, what have you. The other stuff, I think, should be left aside. It serves no utility to pretend in its existence. 
Right. Like I, I guess I believe in making as few faith claims as possible, even though I consider the idea to, for, you know, the idea that truth equals truth to be essentially a faith claim. I think it's one we kind of have to like, well, we don't have to, but it's, it's a good, I'd advocate for it. I think it's a good faith claim to make. Um, But seeing as um, uh, we're sort of, I think we're sort of um, hitting bedrock on this part. Do you want to sort of move on to like LGBT issues and stuff like that? Oh, I thought we were we were we were getting ready to abandon our beliefs in God. Um, I, um, I mean, you you believe in faith claims. You must necessarily no. Um, as few as is necessary. I just like do not believe else. that. If that was the case, you would be um you would be agnostic. You can't believe as few as is necessary because you have um you you have a book. There are a good number uh, of claims in there. Well, you you mistake my reasons for believing. God, we, I can talk about that. I'd love to talk about why I believe in God. Uh, I've debated a lot of times in your uh, comment sections and people get annoyed with me. <laughs> oh, well, that's the fun of life. Um, yeah, exactly. You can hit that later if you want to, if you'd rather talk about LGBT stuff. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll save the God stuff for later. Uh, when it comes to LGBT stuff, so I am a pro-LGBT Christian. I'm, oh, yeah. Again, I mentioned I'm LGBT myself. Um, what I mostly wanted to talk about actually is to be perfectly honest, I have a bone to pick with not just you, but a lot of um, voices on the left. You see, there's this, well, see, conservatives, a lot of Christian conservatives, ones I fight with on a regular basis, they want to drive a wedge between Christ and the LGBT community. And we can get into reasons why that is. And I and I guess later on, I might want to run an argument that I use against them by you because it's sociological, but be that as it may. Um, basically. I try to work very hard to make people realize that it is a false dichotomy that you either have to be gay or Christian, you can't be both, and that these two things are not irreconcilable. And I try to, you know, sort of sow the divide between the LGBT community and the Christian community, right? And the issue is my my efforts to do that are very well hampered, you might say, by... um, well, by you, essentially, because you have, well, it's not that you're doing this on purpose by any means, but it's basically you have a very vitriolic, inflammatory way of speaking about things. And that's why we like you. That's why everyone watches you, because it's very entertaining and cathartic. But um, it can be very hard to, you know, stop the divide. You know, like if I'm trying to convince conservatives that being gay is not a problem, but then they see all the lefties saying, you know, Christianity is a lie and we need to burn it to the ground. It's the cause of all human problems and all that sort of stuff. It can be very difficult for me to convince them that you can be gay and Christian, basically. Well, that really seems like a them problem, though. They should really work on being the problem, uh, you know, for me to not call them the problem. Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, They are absolutely the bigger bad guy here, 100%. But when the other people are being the bully, it doesn't really help when you don't deal with the bullying right you know like the way i would explain it is that we 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 still have an obligation to do what is best um given that they especially given that they are being very villainous in this area um i guess what i'm trying to say is uh like for example uh a lot of a lot of christians will say well being gay is a sin because it says so on the bible and a lot of you know atheist lefties will take that for granted because how else what else are they supposed to do are they supposed to be an expert on scripture I, no, obviously not. However, they sort of just, they sort of just take that for granted that that is actually the case. And uh, while it does, Who cares uh, okay. whether or not it's actually the case, Christians don't care what's in the Bible. Well, let, let's pretend that they did. Let's say that they maybe 
I don't know, let's say 10, 15, maybe 100 Christians out there who really care what's in the Bible. They'd be a rare bunch, to be sure. They care they would read it. Well, listen, I, I think um, in the Christian communities I've been around with, which <laughs> uh, I've got to talk to you about that later because the more time I spend in Christian communities and lefty communities, the more I realize that they are basically the same thing. <laughs> like anyway, but um, uh, the more I get in, exist in Christian communities because of the history around the Protestant Reformation and the fact that the Bible was the only thing that we, we were able to use to take down the authoritarian friggin' thorn in our side that was the Catholic Church because they would go against scripture. I would say a lot of Protestants really, really do care about scripture. Like you, your average layman, maybe not because they just, you know, they just don't really care. But somebody who's serious about Christianity obviously cares about what's in the Bible. And yeah. Um, what they, well, I guess it's more of a case that's, um, you know, a, a, anything that enters the life of mortals in large, what was the quote again? Anything, uh, I can't remember how it goes. Anything that anything vast that enters the life of mortals does so with a curse or something like that. I think that, you know, it's kind of like a Rick and Morty thing, you know, that the fan base sort of ruins it, but the show itself is not actually that bad, if you get my meaning. Look, the arguments against queer people in the US today are essentially entirely Christians. Like right, the exactly. whole so, anti-gay marriage thing is original definition of marriage. The overwhelming bulk of attacks that come out against queer people broadly are framed through a Christian lens. I don't think there's anything irresponsible about looking at that and going, yeah, Christians and the Christian institutions in this country are enemies of the queer community. Now, I have never said that you can't be Christian and be pro-LGBT, because I know people who are Christian and pro-LGBT, but the group of people, the block, the class at large, are absolutely um, aligned against queer interests. I don't think there's anything even, wrong or harmful about saying the that. The thing is, right, if we could get Christians en masse to realize that being gay was a sin, if, I, if, like, if we could do that, and this is where I would want to run my argument by you, because it's very sociological, but if we could get Christians en masse to realize that being gay isn't a sin, that whole thing would disappear. Christians would no longer be the enemy, uh, uh, and, you know, like, and gay people would never be the enemy of Christians. Oh, well, good we luck with that. Together, the Okay, well, here's the argument I like to use because you like because basically when we talk about um what's in the Bible, a lot of Christians very much care about what's that old word, context. Um that um basically only certain because we have a thing where only certain rules were only ever meant to certain, apply to certain material circumstances. Like that that is something that we believe. For example, um the Old Testament law was only ever meant to apply to the state of Israel. That that that's all it was for. It was never meant to be a thing that lasted into eternity because of course it wouldn't. Like, like you know, and th that's one of the reasons that Jesus was um, uh, basically, you know, had a problem with a lot of the Pharisees or whatever is because he made that point that these rules weren't always meant to be taken so absolutist and they weren't meant to be last forever. So I guess that my argument would, so let me just run but by it's the irrelevant. sociological. Well, they I don't, believe I don't what see they believe. You can't, you, you, there are hundreds of millions of them. You can, what, snap your fingers and, oh, what, get them to read the Bible, the text which is supposed to lead them to eternal reward that they haven't already? No, no. This isn't, this is your optimism in believing you can unite people based on ideas. Nobody has ideas because they're told to have ideas. People's ideas are constructions of their environment 
that align with pre-existing political and material goals. The reason Christians are um, uh, overwhelmingly reactionary relative to other groups in the United States um, is because the material forces that bring people to religion are the same ones that tend to exclude them from ethnic and sexual diversity. Uh, it's overwhelmingly a rural thing. If it was the opposite, if the forces of the world could change, such that people in cities were more likely to be religious than people in rural areas, then Christians would be relatively progressive. But they're not. It's just urban planning. It's just city design. Right, well, so to adjust that point, the idea that people don't you know, have ideas because they're told to. I don't know what you think education is, but all right then. Um, but on that other point, how many you people in America it's... do you think remember everything they were taught in elementary, middle, and high school well, relative to the we're, things we're talking... that were reinforced in the life that they had after they left school? Well, we're talking about uh, you know America here. I'm I'm, a, I'm an Aussie. Remember, I, I've got a comment on what I see. You know, it's the same over there. No, nobody remembers people. You sit down and listen, you can try to teach people what you want, but the things people really learn overwhelmingly, on average, not every individual, are affirmations of environmental forces that they experience. People in rural areas are far more likely to internalize certain things than people in other areas. People who live in war-torn areas are more likely to internalize information that pertains to survival or gathering food or what have you than people who live in areas that are not racked with um, danger, even if both of them were taught the exact same things. Education is great and all, but what matters most is cultivating a society in which people are exposed to good lessons uh, just as a matter of interaction through society. Like, you don't want to teach people um, uh, 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 sharing is caring. You want to put people in societies where learning to get along with each other and share is an advantageous way of forming social groups. Because as long as you do that, people will naturally arrive at those conclusions. If you tell people sharing's caring and then throw them out into some bloodthirsty, laissez-faire capitalist, what have you, you know, people aren't going to internalize those lessons. They're going to think of it as like juvenile childhood Sesame Street bullshit that's impeding people from getting used to the real world. It's all about those material conditions. And nothing is going to change the way the religious people are outside of broader addressing of, you know, the, the, the conditions that lead to conservatism and reactionary ideology. Um, of which right, there well, are many. So, so, so to address that idea that like you're never going to change Christians off this point, let's say, for example, that only 10% of Christians would be moved by my idea. And I'll, and I'll give you the argument, by the way, that I mentioned before. But let's say only 10% of Christians would actually ever give a shit. Christians make up 2.38 billion people on the planet, which means that 10% of them is 238 million of them. That's mm -hmm. almost 10 times more than my entire country's population. So I'd say that even if only 10% of all Christians actually gave a shit, that's still massive. And let's say only 10% of those 10% would actually listen. That's still millions of people that we could move to our side. So I guess, I guess this would be, so I guess I'll just um, give you my argument because it's, um, it's, uh, it's about sociology, I guess, and it's a bit outside my wheelhouse, right? But in the Bible, it says, you know, being gay is a sin, blah, 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 don't do it. Now, the thing is, is that a lot of rules from back then have changed today. And is that because we Christians just throw out the stuff we don't like? No, it's because we can point to actual reasons why certain rules no longer need to be followed. Like, for example, dowries. No Christians pay a dowry. Is that because they don't care about what's written in the Bible? No, it's because dowries are no longer materially necessary. Because dowries were a sort of form of, you know, not only proving that you could provide, but they're almost like a form of elderly welfare because they pay... um 
you know, the old people's like a cow or something so that, you know, they could be taken care of or whatever. It would be a shittier form of elderly welfare, but it would work nonetheless. Now, that's an example of a rule we used to follow, but we no longer do. And that's not us being hypocrites. It's just no longer necessary. We have superannuation, or you'd call it social security, or we have welfare. We have other means of taking care of things like that. It's no longer materially necessary. So the question is, is the reason homosexuality was seen as bad, not just in Abrahamic religions, but in every society on the planet? Why is that? Why do all of these societies seem to say, uh, gay people can't be married. Even ancient Greece did not allow for gay marriage. So why is that? Like they would allow yeah, to have sex with men, but not gay marriage. So why is that? Does that have to do with the material conditions? And I think it very much does because back in the day, the material conditions would make it so that 90% of all jobs in the economy were physically based, right? Like, you know, laying brick and all that kind of crap um, or like hunting or whatever. And that means that men overwhelmingly would outperform women in the economy, which means women would have an extremely difficult time finding work and men wouldn't, which means men, women, if left alone, would have just starved to death. So how do we solve that? Marriage, right? If women are expected to be married to men and the men provide for them, that takes care of their material like conditions or whatever. So in, in that context where marriage, you know, is like women literally like depend on marriage to survive and it could be no other way because of the material conditions right if that's the case then what would homosexuality do in that society like we're talking like on a broader level here because if homosexuality and homosexual marriage in particular was seen as acceptable um what would happen is men particularly by then would have a choice either they would get married to a woman which means you know more financial dependence that they de depend on you they would have children which would be more responsibility more difficult um, and a whole slew of other, you know, uh, difficulties that might be associated with that, especially because women, am I right? But um, then you have, so you would either choose that as a man or you choose to d marry a man, which means no kids, no financial responsibility, dual income, they can protect you and you can have sex as many times as you want without worrying about too much other than maybe hygiene. But that's an issue on both sides. Overwhelmingly, a lot of men would choose to marry uh, men over women, because as we all know, men are uh, superior. You know, I might be lefty, but I'm still sexist and I will die on that hill. Um, <laughs> I'm not really, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, and in all seriousness, the reason why homosexuality was banned was because essentially it would hurt women's chances of getting married and women depended on marriage to survive. Now, in the modern uh, context, women no longer depend on marriage to survive because, you know, the economy is now mostly intellectually based and service based, which women are perfectly capable of competing with men in. Women can do the nine to five, you know, office work, women can do retail, whatever it is, so they can be financially independent. Therefore, being gay is no longer a threat to a woman's survivability, which is why, you know, women's rights have always moved alongside LGBT rights, for example. And that was a very long winded argument, but I just wanted to get your thought on that, I guess. I isn't wait assuming your premises isn't this an argument in favor of materialist analysis of society oh absolutely like i said i i am in favor of using materialism where like because well, the way i view it is that rational truths are superior to empirical truths but empirical truths decide which ra rational framework is correct so for example if you have two different um rational ideas both of which are like logically consistent 
but one of them correlates to material reality and the other one doesn't. Well, obviously the one that correlates to material reality is the true one. So materialist analysis is still absolutely important. I just don't think it's, it's, it's like what you said, it's not like comprehensive. It doesn't account for everything. So, but I still think that this is a, like, if you explain to Christians that the only reason being gay was considered a sin was because of the material uh, conditions at the time, I think material conditions we are no longer. You'd be surprised. I've actually moved, not, eh, I've, I've moved a handful of Christians over on this. Um, I've not had exactly a, a massive plant platform, but, or anything like that, but I don't, um, I don't know why there been... there, you're talking to people whose belief structure is literally based on faith. I don't know why rational arguments would be a reliable or effective way of changing their mind. Look, well, if you because, can, right? if you the can, the reason is, is, oh, sorry, go on. For, and additionally, I think it's it's maybe a little bit, um, it, it, in my mind, textually odd, the idea that the Bible is supposed to be a perfect manifestation of God's will. Um, it's not, though. It de really depends on who that. you talk to. And a, lot, and, and a lot of Christians, if it's in the Bible, or if they say it's in the Bible, which is really what matters, because none of them fucks read the Bible, you know, you're only going to get so far with the, well, they that was true for the time, but not for right now, you know? Um, funnily, the Mormon church did that. The uh, with the whole uh, allowing black people into their church, but coincidentally, God's um, eternal, undying, um, omnipotent will uh, happened to change right around the time the U.S. government threatened to pull their tax status as a church if they didn't start letting black folk in. So I guess God really hard up for that cash. I, I like, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. Um, you can look yeah, if you can convince some people that's great um like some are susceptible to that i don't think that's mutually exclusive at all to pointing out the fact that christianity is largely an oppressive institution um with regards to queer rights though like i don't think those things are in conflict at all you know it's like um it's like if you it's like you you could be like you could be like going up to nazis um in like 45 or whatever and you could be like Look, see here in, in the national precept, how we're supposed to defend the nation. How are we defending the nation? By gassing our own citizens, you know? And like, you know, if you can convince some people based on that, I guess that's better than nothing, right? But I don't think that could take away from people going, like, pointing out that well, the Nazis are doing the Holocaust. You know what I mean? So, so with, with um, the thing you mentioned before, the idea that this is based on faith for a lot of Christians, that is true. However, if you look at the online Christian community, Obviously, it's a lot of infighting and a lot of, um, you know, arguments. And because we all have faith in Christianity, what determines which is the true Christianity is going to come down to rationality and empiricism and stuff. I don't like believe that. that. Which is wait, why. wait, how? Wait, how does that work? So you arbitrarily assume a bunch of metaphysical religious presuppositions, and then what you you arbitrarily assume different ones, but then the arguments between them are empirical, not well, faith based. Well, how, let, how let, let me explain. Right, like when. When there's arguments about, like, because the only um, sort of faith-based claims that Christians are supposed to have are what's in the Bible, right? That's the idea anyway. But when we disagree about what's in the Bible, what will happen is that they'll go on YouTube and they'll say, what does this pastor say about this? What does that guy say about that? And they'll be all like, you know, essentially uh, Christian apologists on YouTube and they'll explain like all the different things, right? And they'll have to use... Like they, they do this, they have to use a historical analysis of how things were at the time, the cultural context of what certain words meant, what what certain cultural ideas. Um, for example, um, but everyone can what, do this. Like any any con artist can construct a post hoc justification for their um, for their faith. Like every religious leader and cult leader ever has done this. Like, well, why why is why am I actually the son of Jesus Christ Almighty, born in Nazareth? Well, look at this, and then like you 
justify it with some time. Every time Christianity splits, this is what happens. Like, oh, actually, this different arbitrary set of faith-based principles is the real one because of this set of analyses. But you're analyzing faith. Your analyses are can't be grounded in empiricism because the you're not rooted in empiricism. There's no way to falsify any claims made here. It's all faith-based. There's no way well, to... I wouldn't say Put these I wouldn't ideas say there's no way to falsify it because if if it was not true that the material conditions weren't eliciting these rules, right? Like basically the idea, like basically the thing is, is that the kind of argument I just made with the whole, well, why did they say this was a rule? That's exactly the kind of arguments that these apologists would make thousands and thousands of times, and it always gets ex accepted on. Well, sometimes it gets accepted. Sometimes, like you'd be surprised with Christians. We're not as um, what if what if a Christian uh, conformist is what if they disagree? What if what if they were just like, actually, gay mar they said, like, sodomy is a sin because God thinks it's bad and it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and gay people are going to hell. What, what's well, your rational can... counter to that? Well, well, then fuck them. But we That's can not a rational counter. That way. Well, wait, then there you go. <laughs> See, this isn't empirics. What, what I just said right there from their perspective is as correct as what you just said, because there's no way to falsify either of these analytical frameworks. It, this is it's well, all the, rhetoric which don't well, get me wrong well, way, I, a lot no, of no, stuff no, the, is but... the way you would the way you would handle that is you'd say like well you'd basically point out the dowry thing for example they'd are if they were married for example this is what i do all the time this is how i've moved some people over i go hey do you pay a dowry when you when you got married and they go no well you know you have to it says so in the bible and they're like uh, 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 and then i explain well no you don't actually have to it was only uh, necessitated by the material circumstances obviously god has to make certain rules around certain material circumstances he would yeah. have to otherwise and what if what if, what if they're what if they're just like uh yeah well that changed but the gay marriage thing didn't if you trust well, me you... if if every per if every christian who thought that sodomy was a sin could be convinced by pointing out that they're a hypocrite for not following every rule in the bible accurately then atheists would have single-handedly ended religion by now um uh, you know, like it, it and, and, and mind you, that still is unfalsifiable because at that point, anytime you don't like an argument in the, in the Bible, you can just be like, well, historical context. But if you do like it, you can go actually, well, this one's still fine. Like if you want a historical context, all the arguments away, then the Bible becomes worthless. It's, you know, like you'll need a Bible two or Bible three, I guess, because the old Testament is the thing. But like, again, like none of this is empirics, right? Like all of this is just what rhetorical game can you play to make your subjective set of beliefs the other person's subjective set of beliefs. Well, you can't necessarily invalidate everything by just screaming context, context, you know, because the, the idea is that God made the rules, which mean, and God's uh, truths are eternal sort of thing in the sense that the rationale behind why he do does things is always eternal, even if it prompts different uh, behaviors. For example, let's say um, you had a trolley problem and, you know, so let's pretend that we could what if actually keep God to the parameters of a trolley problem, what right? What if the rationale is just that men and women are the ones who are supposed to be together and men and men sleeping together is an abomination? Is there anything well, in the Bible that contradicts that interpretation, that it's just inherently morally wrong to do sodomy? Absolutely. So, for example, uh, there's a particular scripture that says Galatians uh, 3.28, there is no male or female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, for we are all one in Christ. So basically a radical affirmation of uh, egalitarianism. The, the Bible has always been very egalitarian. So yes, you can absolutely point to things. So like if a, gay, if a Christian wanted to say that like there's just spiritual reasons why they can't be together, well, you point out that in Galatians, it says that there's no spiritual, there's no, there's basically no spiritual difference between men and women, that the differences are purely biological. 
And you know, in fact, but the institution story, of marriage I, is a manifestation that can take into account those differences. And there are plenty of things in the Bible that talk about differences between men and women. Aren't there literally like different punishments that are levied out between like, uh, like injury afflicted against a man or woman or like different rules, depending if it's a son or a daughter? The Bible distinguishes between these groups. It's internally um, inconsistent because it was written by uh, like goat farmers 2000 years ago. <laughs> I would have to read Leviticus or whatever, but like I'm pretty sure New Testament absolutely does not. Well, kind of. There's like, again, those rules would have probably been based on the material circumstances. No, you can't, and you how can't do biology... that every time. You can't do no, You, you can't on, say, like, well, on. this thing that I like is the objective, true, divine word of God and Christ eternal. And these things that are incompatible with my religious beliefs and personal political beliefs, mind you, today. Are um are are like these ones have changed like th th there's no objective determiner because all this is based on faith. There's no way to make Hold arguments on. rationally. That, that's not entirely true. If we say that because we can make material circumstances when it's a material issue, and if if and because biology is the only distinction between like you know that men and women how they're only biologically different that is going to have material effects and material consequences. Therefore rules grounded in material circumstances that's the argument you would but make you could make that so for, for example not necessarily what like about what about if that, uh... thou shalt not kill was actually only rooted in the material circumstances of the time because there were so many fewer humans but now that there are like eight billion of us actually god has no problem with indiscriminate murder <laughs> what about thou well, shalt not covet it... each other's shit because back then like everyone had two things and now people have amazon like, if you want to, like, if you want historical circumstances, you can do that for anything any of these texts say. And don't get uh, me wrong, right, well, I it... want you to be inconsistent in favor of my political beliefs, but I think that's the <laughs> only thing it can ever be. It's not a more true version of Christianity. It's just convenient for me. And for you! No, hang on, hang on. So, with the thou shalt not kill, let's look at the rationale behind why killing is bad. God's it rationale? It's a person's freedom. Huh? God's yeah, sure, rationale? why not? You can't wait. Yes. You can't presume God's um, intentions. His will we, is not we, yours we'll, to know. We will have to. We will have to do our best. That's that's just going to have to be how it is. If we can't figure it out, well then we we, we no, all make you mistakes. Can't. God works in mysterious ways. Is literally like the main thing that I know about him. You literally can't. Is, he's he's not a no, smart human. He's a different creature. He's a different thing. That's not that, that's not entirely true. That's a verse. That's one of those verses that gets misquoted and taken out of context. You can know God's rationality. Jesus expects you to know God's rationality and to apply, at the very least, common sense reasoning. So for example, that, that I don't want to, uh, anyway, I don't want to get into too much scripture because I imagine you find this kind of boring, to be perfectly honest, but there's plenty of scripture that says that it's the, like God in the Bible is literally referred to as the logos, the rationale, that's his name. That's that, or at least Jesus's name. That's the, like Jesus is supposed to be the physical manifestation of God's logos. Like that's what it means when he says, "In the in the beginning there was the word." That's what that means. The so rationality is literally considered divine in Christianity. Yeah, but his, but it's his rationality, not yours. Like if you want to go down this road, then you have to explain the death of every like Egyptian firstborn, um, and like why God couldn't have just teleported the Hebrews out or something. Like he can do anything, but he chose the road that led to thousands of people dying. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, the entire salt pillar. Like God killed so many people. You can't. Like this is the reason right, why yeah, Christians. Right, well, but this let's, is let's this is what no, no 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 no. There's no point. You this is unwinnable. The reason Christians say God works in mysterious ways is because the books, the new the new Bible and the Old Testament are incoherent and inconsistent, and the only way at forming a coherent framework through all of them 
is to just ignore some parts and take other parts. Every religion does this. It's not like a Christianity only thing. I just take issue with the idea that there's some way of rationally arguing Christians into a more egalitarian form of Christianity when I don't think well, I've done that. No, you can make <laughs> you no, you can make arguments that they'll believe, but they're not rational in the framework of Christianity. They're rational in the framework of empirical, non-religious, ethical argumentation. Anyone arguing based on faith can find arguments as convincing for totalitarianism and oppression as you could for egalitarianism. They can ignore what you choose to believe, and they can believe what you choose to ignore. They can argue historical context whenever you find it inconvenient, and vice versa. There's nothing different, and they're not any more wrong to do so than you. Wait, hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get you to clarify that statement. So if they're arguing a fascist perspective versus an egalitarian perspective, that's equally valid? Like, From a religious perspective, yeah. That's just as valid an interpretation <clears throat> of Christian doctrine as anything you would propose. Yes. Not for I mean, me, just... but I don't make my arguments based okay. on like a, a divine command theory. I don't think what's good has well, anything do to do I. with Christianity. I, I'm, I'm literally about to... Uh, hang on, I'm going to have to... Doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, like I, I, I'm literally, <clears throat> basically, uh, it's a whole backstory, but I basically have. Uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, well, you, you have to believe in divine command theory because no, it, I don't. No, Christian, no, I, don't. I, I, I hate divine command theory. It fucking sucks. Do you not it's, think I, that God determined that He is what is good and that God is what is good in the world and He determines what is good and what is evil? So the thing with divine command theory is that He is like so basically he decides what is good and what is bad as opposed to he knows what is good and bad and he makes rules based off what just is good and bad basically there's no difference there's between massive, those two things there's a massive difference between those only two things only if you believe in god in a practical sense in both cases whatever god has decided is good is the thing that you think is good like that's all, there's only a difference there metaphysically you think there's a difference because you believe in the metaphysical presuppositions an impact on the world there's no difference between the two in either case, like whatever God says is good. Absolutely, absolutely not. Because there's a way of like if you employ a moral flame fr framework framework to determine, it, like for example, one of the definitions of God is omnibenevolence, meaning that He has to be all good. Which means if somebody claims God did X and X is immoral, we can know God did not do X and that whoever that person is is an idiot or that certain religions if they claim certain amoral things that those things cannot be god basically okay so can can god do evil no absolutely not so anything that god does or mandates is good uh assuming it's in line with what it, with the definition of good yes well if god can't do evil then god has to do good right right so but the thing is is that in divine command theory the reason why God can't do evil is because anything he does is just described as good. Yeah, so, but for example, he doesn't well, do anything, say, so it doesn't matter to me. But well, you would argue. Where we disagree. Well, of course, right. but you would argue you anything to... God does is good, right? It has to be good because God is good. So anything God does is in line with what is good. No, so so here's the here's the difference between what I believe in divine command theory. Let's let's say that somebody said God rapes babies. Well, I would say God, by definition, is physically incapable of doing that because that is so fundamentally amoral that it cannot be done by God. Whereas a divine command theorist would say, well, if God does do that, therefore raping babies is good because God does it. That was, how Jesus, can you was, see how, that was how Jesus was conceived, to be fair. I'm pretty sure Mary was 14. So No, he, he didn't have sex to make Mary. That's just a fan fiction, stupid friggin' 4chan 
fucking wankers came up with, okay? God just snapped his fingers. And also, we don't know that she was 14. They think it might have either been 14, 15, or 16. Oh, okay. Not, and, it, and it was not sex. That's not how it was conceived. Basically, God just snapped his fingers and then bam. So that's... I don't, by, know, I don't so, know if you would consider that sex. So by definition, what a thing that God does has to be good because God can only do good things, right? Right, but that's how you can test whether or not God exists, actually. This is actually... So, wait, like, wait, 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 but you know, I, I, I just want to... So if the Bible says to do something, the thing that the Bible is saying to do must be good, right? No, no. So there's, there's, that's where I don't necessarily believe in divine command theory. The way I treat the Bible is I treat it like a, a historical text like any other. Like that basically it's like, um, basically the idea is, is that, uh, you know, it's basically just flawed human beings doing their best to record their interaction with, with the divine. Have the text maybe been corrupted? Has there been some Chinese whispers bullshit going on? Maybe, probably you know, there's only certain ways that we can know. Then how, the then how do you know what God wants then? How do you know what God's will actually is? By engaging in ethical reasoning, by engaging in uh, rationale. Through and, your um, flawed... I'm literally, no, no, no. I'm literally, I'll have to cancel, but I was literally about to see, w w one of the things that I do is I'm actually um, talking with an ethics professor on developing an ethical framework called uh, Freedom Ethics. And basically how I determine right and wrong would be based off that ethical framework we how do you know your ethical of. framework is correct uh well that's the part of the work that we're doing so basically i tried to ground uh, ethics in uh consciousness because we have to because if you remove consciousness from anything it ceases to have any ethical implications right a, a thing only has ethical implications in as much as it affects a conscious being right i don't know if that's true but i would have to think about it i don't we don't we don't know what consciousness is so i don't know if we can really say yeah but you would agree for example if there's like a, a for example a solar system inhabited by aliens and the sun in that solar system is going to blow up that fucking sucks but if a sun's going to blow up in a solar system which the entire universe is not even populated zero ethical implications exist there right like it's just a thing that happens there's no right or wrong I, I would there, right? i would i would agree that my understanding of ethics is informed by sensory perception and the ability to experience the outcomes of actions right so basically uh like if we accept the idea that kind of like how truth equals truth if value equals value then pretty much pretty much all um ethics follows from there okay and so like value only really means anything in the context of like how conscious beings perceive it in a sense but it's still something that is understood but, if that makes sense. Well, sure, but we don't really know what consciousness is. But I, the, the, reason, the reason why I'm asking this is because... So, so, so you believe, I would, I would add quite arrogantly for a human, that your moral structure is objectively correct because it's in well, line with what God wants, because what God can only want good things, and you've aligned your ethical beliefs with what you think God would want. So God kind of follows your cognition. If you change your mind on an ethical question, you would update your understanding. Oh, God must not have actually liked that previous thing that I believed. He now likes this current thing that I believe because I've now arrived at the correct ethical interpretation, which is what God must also have. That, that has no, to be what you so, believe, right? No, no, no. So basically when I say that I come up with an ethical framework, what I'm really saying is I'm like, ethics is already a, like, 
what it means to do right and wrong is already a thing. And I'm trying to come up with a framework to describe that thing. I'm creating the language by which we could understand, well, uh, creating a form of, not the language, but a form of language, how we might understand right and wrong, as opposed to, um, you know, like, like basically it's kind of like how, how do you know if yours is correct? Well, we test it with ethical frameworks and to see if it's, you know, uh, logically consistent, if it, you know, uh, if it basically, if the framework works. So the, the Nazi um, ethical framework was logically consistent. Hardly that that's not the only criteria by which you evaluate. Like you can like so the, incorrect things can be consistent. Consistency is just a, a means of internal like consistency. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that, that's one of the examples of how it would have to be good. But I would say that ethics would have to be grounded in consciousness. Because where there is no consciousness, there is no ethics. Basically. Well, everyone's and everyone's the, conscious, as far as we know. So every ethical set yeah, of well, principles is one which is well, born of consciousness. No, so it, it's more about how how certain actions affect um, conscious beings, basically. Okay, but and it's but, also okay. I, I get that, but you understand yeah. what you're saying right now from a pragmatic point is that you're like you and i both have subjective arbitrary beliefs about what is good or bad the difference is you've convinced yourself that the creator of the universe is on your side and i don't have that belief you might not be you might not be i could be i could be dead wrong about what i ethically believe but i'm trying to it's a bit like if a scientist constructs a theory of that explains a phenomenon right they're not you know having their views dictated by the phenomena so long as so much as they're trying to have their views dictated by the phenomena but they'll update the views as they find problems with it maybe like um uh i don't know for example uh if for example quantum mechanics didn't account for i don't know certain well quantum, actually you know quantum here, mechanics can be tested ethical frameworks can't yes they can sure they can how can well, you test all, whether they, one is wrong with hypotheticals, for example. So, for example, um, you would have to test it with like a rational argument. Basically, you'd have to debate, bro, it out pretty you, much. So, you know, like a Nazi could do that correctly, right? Like it's possible to construct a monstrous ethical framework that is consistent and can be consistent through all hypotheticals. The, 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 you can only test for consistency. You couldn't test for like the actual value or the correctness of an ethical system. Well, no, I see. I think that if you can come up with a more rational argument, an argument that is more rational than their argument, what's, then what's a you would be able to argument in the context of an ethical framework. Well, so one that probably makes as few sort of assumptions as possible. So, if, like, for example, the Nazi in this particular case was constructing an ethical framework, but it was built on the assumption, so they were like, okay, let's assume Jews bad, and like, well, what kind of assumptions does that imply? Okay, let's assume this, this, and this. And then what, what, is, what, does, what does he mean by Jew? Okay, and then that's going to have its set of assumptions. So it should make as few, few assumptions as possible. Why does it have to make as few assumptions as possible? Where is that written in the universe? Call it moral intuition. I, well, I, I'm sorry. I will not call it that, actually. You're not running away from me that easily. How do you Hang objectively on. prove that an ethical framework can't make presuppositions? It has to be as simple as possible. Well, I'm not saying objective, like it is still in a sense subjective, but in the same way that saying the sky is blue is subjective. Like, like I could say, for example, the sky is blue based off our current understanding of, you know, our current framework, if you will, of color. But somebody else could just as easily say, well, based on my framework of color, the sky is actually uh, orange. But or, we're, making or, a moral, or gray. we're making a moral statement, though. 
if if you're if you are willing to dispel with all presuppositions any moral statement is as valid as any other moral statement the only thing that you can really like refer to is utility but if utility is what you're referring to rather than an abstract metaphysical construction of ideal ethical like you know truth then we're right back here in utilitarianville where i stand but you're the one with god on their side so like the, <laughs> the, pro the, the problem that i have with religiosity is that like this is the this is the unbridgeable gap. If people use faith to arrive at their beliefs, no rational argument can move them off it. If a person believes that God has declared that sodomy between a man and a man is immoral, there is literally no rational argument that can move them off of it because I'm not God. I can tell them historical context, blah, blah. They can say, no, it's not. God just inherently believes that sodomy is bad. It says it right there, there. Like that, and that's it. Well if they want to, if they just want to go, if they just want to say that, that argument is completely unfalsifiable from my perspective. I have to simply club them over the head. Tragically, <laughs> this is how many religious arguments go. There's just no room to, to meet because there's not a common value being shared, like utility, which is how I can make appeals to people with different ethical systems within my own framework. Well, see, that's the thing. If I could give them a rational argument that explains, no, God did not say that, and that's not what God believes, then that would be the argument that would move them off that, wouldn't it? Do you think it's an interesting coincidence that people who are vitriolically homophobic as opposed to just obligatorily homophobic as a product of their religion are less likely to be convinced that the sodomy line in the Bible was only a product of historical circumstances? Like, they might be they're moved more, off. They're also, more, they're also most likely to be gay. We both know this. The, if a per, if, whether or not people will be swayed on arguments like this, it's not about whether it's rational or not. It's about whether or not you can give them a different alternate interpretation of an arbitrary and non-falsifiable set of beliefs. It's not a reliable way of securing political allies because it, it's, 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 it's on a precipice. All they need is one bad fever dream where God tells them that actually sodomy is immoral for them to become an evangelical for the rest of their lives, you know? It's not the same as, as, as a concrete ethical position. You know? That's always I, my concern. I, it's, how, I mean, how do you argue with that, right? Like, from a utility perspective, there's nothing you can do. It's, it's God. It's, 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 it's heaven. It's the immortal soul. It's unfalsifiable. I guess, like, normally I would, I, I mean, I would say rationality, like, you know, if, if we can't defer to rationality, I guess that's, like, again, I'm just deferring to that, the same way that you would say, well, if we can't argue on the grounds of empiricism and things like that, then how do we do this? But if they, like, like I said, I guess when you say we can't arrive, we can't begin our moral or ethical prescriptions based on faith, but isn't kind of everyone sort of doing that? Like, again, we discussed how truth equals truth is essentially a faith claim. And that's something we pretty much all have to engage with. There are necessary the presuppositions, that... but like the be, being a Christian is like way the fuck out there, right? Like, like basically like, here's, here's something I believe on faith. When I wake up in the morning in my own bed, I uh, faithfully believe that like a, a shape-shifting specter who can walk through walls didn't enter my bedroom and stare at me throughout the night, then leave right before I woke up. That's something I only know on faith. I don't know that for a fact. Um, Damn, you're onto me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but then I can go on and have my day, right? But th like, that's my presupposition. Like, I'm just getting out of bed, you know. Your presupposition involves a fucking lore dump that tra that crosses time and space to encompass all reality. It, it, like, the, the, not 
It's because earlier you said the fewest presuppositions mis- is best, but you make far yeah. more than me because you believe in uh, God and Christ. I assume you believe in at least some of the biblical tales. Not that they're all 6,000-year-old earth or whatever, but you have <clears> to believe in at least some of it. Otherwise, why call yourself a Christian? I would believe in some of it until I had moral, empirical, or other reasons to like if if it was a story in the bible that contradicted another story i'd probably okay well one of these two has to be wrong sort of thing um but i think you're misunderstanding that i'm not basing my belief on god purely on just well i just decided i woke up one day and decided to believe in god i do have actual reasons for why i do that i guess do you want to go through that argument i guess you can if you like sure okay uh so the main reason why i believe in god in particular is um, because of a god. Uh, is because of um, an argument I like to call the argument from pantheism. Uh, so pantheism is basically the idea that um, the universe and God are somehow equivalent. Essentially, that's um, <clears throat> that's uh, either the universe itself is conscious and we call that God, or that you know we would just arbitrarily describe the universe as God, or something along those lines, basically, or that or that the universe is the physical uh, body of God. You might say. Now in panthe so that's so the argument from pantheism goes like this. So first we have to define our terms. So I believe that God as a pantheistic God would be omnipotent, omnipresent, om- omniscient, and omnibenevolent. So in order for me to know if there's a God that like that that exists, I have to know not only that those um, four things are possible, but they but there's also something in reality we can point to that demonstrates that, right? So is there something in reality that we can point to that demonstrates even one of these uh, definitions? So when I say um, omnipotent, by the way, I'm talking about having all the power in the universe. When I say omnipresent, I mean being in all places in the universe all at the same time. And when I say um, omniscient, I mean having all knowledge within the universe. And the reason why I stress within the universe is because I'm not appealing to power that does not exist so you know god does not have to make a stone so big blah 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 he cannot lift it sort of thing because that's not a power that exists it's logically impossible i mean you you can in the same way that you can create stories to explain any natural phenomena no like the story of king midas is an explanation for why that river had more gold in it but that doesn't mean the story is true like you can you can post hoc create explanations for a creation myth or a religious belief if you're looking to do so. I mean, you could call, as they did, lightning evidence of the clashes between the gods or the displeasure of them or whatever. But I don't think that's the same. Like, that's not like a scientific way of arriving at an understanding of the universe because you have a bunch of conflicting narratives at that point. Well, well I guess, so let, let me explain my, I guess, my argument first. So it, before we make any sort of claims, right, that says, you know, that there could be these four principles I mentioned, like that could exist hypothetically. We need to look at something to say, can we point to these things and say, yes, that thing over there is omnipotent or omnipresent or whatever. And as it turns out, we can. For example, energy is itself omnipresent. Everything in the universe is made up of energy, right? But this is the story thing that I meant, right? Like you could, like you can just, you can point at a thing. I mean, there are areas that are devoid of energy, like relatively speaking. If if you mean like, really, like well. You, I mean, you could say gravity if you wanted to, because gravitational waves like are exhibited over the entirety of the universe. You could say like like li- photons if you. I mean, you could do that for anything, right? Like, 
Right. But it would have to be able to display all these things. So like the thing is, is this isn't a post hoc ad hoc justification because the Bible has made a claim that there has been this invisible thing that exists everywhere all at once. It's all powerful. It's all knowing and it's all good. It's personable. So but like the fact that that was made before. Claim that though. No, not all. Like, for example, well, I mean, the, three Abra- the Abrahamic ones do, to be sure. And I have other reasons for believing in um, Christianity in particular. But if you, were, if you um, were to go by, like, can I find evidence for this arbitrary set of religious claims? Yes, I can. Like, if you were a Hindu, you could be like, well, do we have evidence that the, gate, the great god Kashnit battled, like, the emperor Mathu back in the beginning of time? Well, yes, of course. Volcanoes exist, dumbass. It, ha- it fits all the well, criteria. Yeah, a great eruption of Earth, a cataclysmic... Well, yeah, there's another explanation to energy being all over the u- universe, too, and that it's the fundamental force of the universe, which it is. But that's just how the universe is. Well, yeah, but it seems a bit odd to me that a religion says, hey, there's, you know, there's this thing that's, like, invisible, it's everywhere, it's extremely powerful, and it knows everything sort of thing. And at least two of those four definitions I mentioned are, like, scientifically pretty much like but confirmed all right? you would need so to fulfill those definitions is any fundamental property of the universe like i said quarks would work uh, any of the quarks there are like a dozen of no, them I, or whatever um i don't magnetism. think quarks would work because not all quarks exist all in in like so for example they're pretty there was, much so everywhere mo- yeah but like not literally everywhere like literally everywhere sort of thing no li- no they're so, li- no, literally everywhere yeah or, like, if energy and matter are the same thing, which they are, uh, fundamentally, and quarks there'll are the building... there'll be spaces between the quarks. There'll be spaces between the quarks that separate one quark from another, and what? that space, even that tiny little gap between them would still but, functionally be space where those quarks do not exist. Energy is just electromagnetic radiation. Those waves are literal. Electromagnetic radi- radiation follows literal wavelength. There are places in space where there are no wavelengths touching. It's as universal as quarks. Probably less so, actually, because if I remember correctly, there are types of quarks that bubble from the surface of space-time, create positive and negative versions of each other, and then crash into each other, canceling out. And that happens in areas where there is literally nothing. It's not... So that would be an example of something existing in a truly omnipresent sense, because it doesn't even rely on energy or mass being present beforehand. It's like a fundamental property of space-time that it produces those collisions. So if anything, that might be a better example of omnipresent presence you could say it's it's like god is actually positive and negative what i don't know particle subatomic particles or whatever but like you could say that for a lot of stuff right like the universe just has rules that are followed all over the place wait hang on a second so wouldn't doesn't isn't everything in physical that's made up of physical reality isn't that made up of energy so those quarks themselves would be energy like like if you break down so what are quarks made of like if you keep breaking it down to its fundamental what each thing is made out of you hit the bedrock of it's just made of energy like it's either i don't think potential you can split. energy in its physical form or it's like um kinetic energy basically. i don't think you can split a quark i think um i think those things might be proper fundamentals and that energy is made of wavelengths of um of of things like photons or electrons or whatever but electrons aren't electrons are one of the subatomic particles so like electron an electron would be like the same size as some of the quarks i don't even know if size is like an appropriate descriptor for these things they're like conceptually small yeah 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 yeah. the the thing is right like isn't like the whole e equals mc squared mean like because m in e equals mc squared is matter squared times the speed of light or whatever it is and then you you get energy on the other side of that equation so all matter contains like energy sort of thing well it depends on whether quarks um 
the the extent to which um quarks have masses quarks do not have a mass in the sense that an electron does but have a mass parameter wait hold on i'm learning something okay wait hold on the t quark is heavy is as heavy as a whole atom of lead how the fuck does that work but that okay then yeah this is, this is getting a lot beyond me once we're starting to get yeah into uh, well i guess i guess way, to be honest yeah. the 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 issue is just that like your even if energy didn't exist in the way that you would call it like you could say this about literally anything if you believe that like the god was the sun well congratulations the universe is full of stars right like you could do this for 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 anything like any any fundamental yeah, none of those things that. are omnipresent though it, it depends on your the definition day, you of can... omnipresence. Like, because energy isn't omnipresent either. There's gaps in the wavelengths, and there are areas of space untouched by energy. See, I'm not, so sh I'm not entirely sure that that's true. I'll have to look into that. But I was gravitational that... waves are genuinely omnipresent, because gravitational waves are a property wouldn't of the gravitational mesh of space be a way, Wouldn't gravitational waves be a sort of form of energy, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just be energy in a, a different expression? Um, like, in the same way that kinetic energy is different from no uh, heat energy in a sense well not really but it pr it produces it it produces energy it it transfers types of energy into other types of energy it's a it's a force not an energy yeah um but it's but it's not energy I'm, I'm in the sense sure. that it could be i'm i'm not sure what the difference between a force and an energy is That's like the thing maybe like i you need could, to re-up on that but you can charge a battery with energy but a force would have to act on some other thing for it to generate energy right like gravity can't charge the the batteries at the base of the hoover dam but it, yeah, can, sure it can propel you can well, use a like some sort of counterweight perpetual motion well, machine to at least have gravity play a part in it i guess you could say well gravity can force water force on, through yeah, turbines gravity can force water yeah exactly yeah. It can, it can it can create pressure that forces water through turbines, but it can't itself produce energy. It has to act. The force has to act on other things. Hang on, I'm pretty sure that's not right because like wouldn't because isn't it like that nothing is created and destroyed and that energy is just moving one from one place to another sort of thing. So the kinetic energy that exists in like you know that's pushing the water down the stream is then transferred. Blah blah blah. That sort of thing. Well, but it's it, it's just a force, not the energy itself. Like. And energy is just a wavelength. It's it like it's a it's a it's a wavelength. Uh, it can be like visible light spectrum or infrared or gamma radiation or whatever. And you know, uh, you, I, thought, you could... I thought that energy was like the force itself, sort of thing. Well, I mean, if <laughs> you want, like you can say gravitational waves. But again, getting back to the 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 fundamentals of it, like this, it's it's post hoc. Um, the people who wrote the Bible just said like, yeah, God is like everywhere. And like, depending on how people wanted to interpret it, they could have been like, oh, well, stars are God, you know, because they're everywhere. Or like space is God because space is everything. It doesn't have to be a physical force the way energy or uh, matter is. Or like anything could have been, you know, maybe God is heat because infrared radiation is like an omnipresent force throughout the universe. And an infrared sight is what allows you to see the cosmos, like the way that the James Webb telescope does. You know, like I'm just yeah, saying, like you the could. The thing it's, is, is that post none of those things, none of those things are either. So, like, the thing is, is like none of those things are either personable either. So, like, infrared radiation has no capacity to become conscious, right? Now, the, now you're probably going to put me up. You're saying, "Hang on, are you saying energy can become conscious?" I'm saying it technically can, in the sense that we human beings are made up of energy, and we human beings are conscious. So therefore, in a sense, the energy that exists within our physical forms is, in a sense, conscious. But, so we know that energy being something, maybe an emergent property, I guess. I don't know how heavily we want to we're, I that, mean, but... we're in the universe, so we're going to be made up of the same stuff that's in the universe. And energy yeah, and matter exactly. is the whole universe. So we have right, to be those exactly. things, that's, too. Exactly. That's my argument. 
Yeah, well, so, but that doesn't mean there's a god. That just means that there are fundamental properties I'm of the universe. I'm not saying it has to technically mean that, that like, I'm not, I will express that I probably should have mentioned this, that there is a limitation to this argument, which it, it doesn't definitively prove God. Now, the thing is, is the, re the problem is, is because God is omni, or God would have to be omnipresent based on what we're arguing here. That would mean that an infinite amount of facts would be relevant to whether or not God exists or not exists, right? Because if God exists everywhere, that means like every everywhere and everything concerns whether or not he exists. And that would essentially mean you would have to have infinite information of which we do not have the ability to have infinite information because we're finite beings. It's also completely unfalsifiable. Under your framework, there would be no way to point to energy and go, see, look, it's not God. No, the, th that's not true. So for example, if there was um, like, I guess, multiple different type, like, I don't know. I guess you'd have to like falsify it in like the other definitions. Well, there's, that there's makes sense. There, there is no way to falsify it because it's a rhetorical game. Nowhere, like even even if in the Bible they had written like God is the electromagnetic radiation that spans the universe, like how do you know that claim is true? Like you, they could claim it even if they were hyper specific to the point of somehow jumping ahead two thousand years in astronomical science. That doesn't mean their claims are true. It just means they claimed it, right? Like there are there are religions that have their claims to fame were making dubious predictions about the future that ended up getting interpreted to be true, you know? There's a great land across the sea that will bring us much bounty and goodness, you know? Um like this thing will vaguely happen at this time. And if you it, it, like depending on how much leeway people are willing to give, even if everything ends up being exactly the way the prophecy interpreted it to be or like the prediction interpreted it to be that's not an affirmation of divine power it's just probability it'd be a, a mathematically all like the, the, you'd probably have one of those probability things where it's like the chance of getting that right would be 0. 0.000 etc etc with like a billion zeros basically i and mean so there, cold reading there is a thing that, that psychics there would do. be that I think there's a massive difference, but listen, I, I, I'm not getting into like prophecy or psychics because that's not my um, area of expertise, but I think predicting a prophecy that could, like, consistently gets right, not to say like I'm, you know, I'm but what, where is that prophecy, prophecy right? Well, I mean, if, if that prophecy is that, hey, there's this thing called, you know, God, it is omnipresent, omniscient, so wait, hold everywhere, etc., etc. Et so, so literally like, there's a God and it's everywhere has, is, has been claimed by thousands of pagan religions throughout history. It's like, it's, it's not hard to do. Like if you're a little human on little old earth and you have very little understanding of the natural world, the idea of like, God is a God. Where is God? Everywhere. Like, I don't, I don't think that's like some incredible prediction about the future or about what science will later discover. You know, I think that's just, well, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's as, probabilistically unlikely as the you know that sort of thing um uh like i guess if i wanted to argue prophecy i'd flip open the bible and see which ones you know but yeah I, i'm not i'm that's not my area of expertise so yeah well I'm, i mean i'm only saying like there are there are a lot of ways you can like arrive at this post talk it's not even to mention that you believe in the christian god as well oh well, that's a, that's an entirely different reason so like okay if we just make the let's pretend that the god debate is solved right let's pretend for like that yep there's a god but we don't know which one well if god exists which god is the correct god um and now the reason why i believe in the christian god is because basically every religion and we sort of briefly touched on this before that every religion in the world says if you do good things you go to heaven or whatever their equivalent is and if you do bad things, you go to the bad place or whatever that is, or, or you just die, basically. 
because um, technically um, the idea of eternal conscious torment, you know, a lot of Christians think that's the true one, but um, technically, if you again, if you read the Bible, it's pretty clear that it's not eternal conscious torment. It, there's a more overwhelming support for the idea that you just die. Like in a nihilistic, you become nothing, death, basically. Um, overwhelming if, scientific if a, support or just like people... Uh, overwhelming scriptural that. support like if you actually look at what the bible reads it just says that the non-believers will just die like they just they just die it's, there's no but like the way that they die they might be thrown into the lake of fire but anyway it's well wait might well hold on if so we know there's a lake of fire well yeah but it kills people that's what fire does it burns people up that's that's the that's the, that's part of the debate the greek word katakaio you know it's it's kind of ridiculous to be honest that in order to believe in the bible you have to have a, a degree in fucking greek or whatever but it, it, the word katakaya means to be burnt up completely, destroyed, nothing left of you, you are dead. And yeah, that's how they But you're already it. dead, right? If if the punishment for for dying and not going to heaven is being tossed into a lake of fire after you're already dead, I don't think it's that unreasonable to assume that there's something spiritual <laughs> or metaphysical about the version of oh, you yeah, that's being thrown basically, in the lake of fire. Basically you, get, you, basically, you get reincarnated so we get to all get together and give a big old I told you so, and then you get thrown in. Yeah, but but really though, uh, like resurrected, if, not reincarnated. If, if if the purpose of the lake of fire was just to kill you, you're already dead. Why would they need to do that twice? Well, could basically because like the soul lives on or whatever. But again, that's that's religion, I guess. Yeah, we we can debate whether or not. Well, where the soul does the exists, soul but... live on if you're? It's just chilling on Earth. You're just hanging around like ghosts and shit. Or I okay, I, I also do kind of believe in reincarnation, but that's a bit of a less orthodox kind of christian belief well i mean all of this is just like what you want to believe right the majority of christians think you go to hell if you do bad things yeah but then the, the, most of the, what the bible says uh, doesn't anyway i didn't work, mean to debate about like annihilationism versus eternal conscious torment what, what i me meant to get at in terms of um the religion thing is that christianity is unique in the sense that christianity is the only religion that says Listen, all these religions say that if you do good things, you go to heaven. But how many good things do you have to do? How much money would you have to donate to charity in order to get to heaven? 10 bucks? 100 bucks? No matter where you draw the line, it's completely arbitrary. Unless, of course, we accept that God is um, omnibenevolent and omnipotent, which would mean he'd be able to create a heaven that is of infinite value, which means if you want to do good works to go to heaven, you would have to do something that is infinitely valuable, which is mathematically impossible. Well, then we're fucked then, aren't we? Because that, that means no one can get to heaven. Unless God was the one who picked you up and took you to heaven because he's omnipotent. He can do that. And that's essentially what um, Christianity teaches is that no one can take themselves to heaven. Only God can take you there. And how do you get God to take you there? Just ask him. That's it. So Ask him. And you, he's lowered the bar as low as humanly possible. You chose Christianity because it subjectively fit with your personal preference to not believe that God is actually an omnipresent malevolent force that enjoys your suffering because it, it sounds Again, like what you're describing is that christianity sounds the nicest but that's not really no, like a no, metaphysical no, no. It, argument it's it makes the least arbitrary. So, like, if we accept, so, like, if again, if the we're least going off arbitrary of that, is idea, assuming there's no God at all. Energy is just energy. It's just a force. Well, yeah, like that's 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 like again, that's why I said if we assume that you know this question on God is settled, I'm saying like which religion would you choose? Not is God real? You know, like like I would use the energy argument to explain why I believe in God, but the uh, it's called the infinite ladder problem, basically, that if, if God told you to, you know, drop the ladder from heaven and said, all right, climb to the top of that ladder and you'll get to heaven, 
mathematically speaking, you would have to be climbing an infinite you'd be climbing for an infinite amount of time and never get there because we are finite beings and nothing finite could ever approach infinity, basically. What if the god Unless just created like, the universe and now isn't doing anything? What if it's a watchmaker scenario? Like a, de like a deistic sort of god? Well, I mean, a lot, plenty of pagan religions believed, as you do, with fewer presuppositions, that God is just everything, that there's just like a fundamental nature God um, that, that stretches out to the entirety of all things. And that, you know, you just do a dance every once in a while for the rain. I mean, if you want fewer presuppositions, <laughs> there are options out there. Non-denominational well, spiritualism probably has the few. There are, still... there are, there are rational, well, I, technically I am a non-denominational Christian, but, but there like are rational issues for, for why... Well, there, there are rational reasons why you would say that God would have to intervene in some way and you know have a relationship with us, basically, why? because because of the problem of evil. Because if God has to do the maximally most ethical thing, no, he doesn't. Is it? Hmm? You're presupposing that. Why on earth would God, why why would God have to do things that are good? Well, again, that's I guess that's part of our, our definition for what God is. I, I guess if there was like a being that created the universe but wasn't good. I would essentially say that that's not God, basically. Well, oh, so you, so you, okay, so it's not God then. Like, wouldn't it make more sense if something as large as the entire universe created the universe that they probably wouldn't give much of a shit about us? Total indifference would probably be the most likely um, deific assumption to make on on not, behalf not, of a, not not from a, a, a pantheistic perspective, because if 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 pantheism is true, right, which is like you said, the majority of what these, I suppose, pagan religions and technically Christianity involves a sort of what they call weak pantheism, but whatever, that's semantics. Um, under pantheism, God physically lives in our physical form. That, like, in the same way that skin cells are a part of our our form, Do you care we about are the every same skin things. cell. I care about my skin, I guess. Got Millions of skin cells. <laughs> you, you have done yeah, things you, to your skin cells that you probably, uh, that the skin however, cells probably don't appreciate. However, the skin cells aren't like conscious in that sense. Like, again, that would depending on how we're understanding I, consciousness. I have a feeling that the skin, skin cells, cells are closer to us than we are to God, if God encompasses the entirety of the universe. Right, but are you, are you, well, then again, we aren't omnibenevolent, are we? Well, but God you're would presupposing be omnibenevolence here. Like, uh, you, keep, uh, you keep saying you believe in the fewest presuppositions, but then you keep randomly adding stuff in. Even if you were to believe that God is a representative of all energy, okay, so maybe an entity abstractly represents all of creation and that it was, in fact, created by them, that they should care about us or have an ethical take on things or even be a conscious being at all as opposed to just some kind of you know grand body upon which the stage of the universe is set like all these are presuppositions that you have to make they're they, they're not they're not innate they're not inherent but then again i guess in order to reject some of these ideas you there would be presuppositions that would come with rejecting these ideas so for example if you believe for example that um I'm wrong about the energy thing being omnipresent. Well, you'd have to assume that energy isn't omnipresent sort of thing. Or if... Um, or just not God. Uh, or, or that, yeah. Or, or um, that, um, that, God, that the energy that exists, like basically, because I don't believe that all energy so much is conscious in this, but I do believe that all energy um, that 
you know, once it's all together, it is at the very least definitely capable of being conscious because energy on a small scale we know is capable of being conscious. The question is, does that scale up? That's basically a, the only question. A nuclear there. bomb isn't conscious. Contains more energy right, than you because or I. It, because it's, well, yeah, but it didn't, did it um, manifest itself in the right way, I guess? Well, how do you know that the whole universe is the right way? As far as we know, the we structure don't, we of the... Don't. That, that is true. That is where the limitations come in. So it's kind of just, I guess, whether or not you believe in God isn't so much like, it's basically kind of comes down to whether or not you think, does consciousness scale up or does it not? Are we the most conscious thing in the universe or well, are we... Well, it, no, it would just be whether or, or not... they're like aliens? It would, well, or whatever. you can believe in aliens and not believe in God. Believing in aliens yeah, is I know, just a I know, natural... I know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying like, you know technically there's you could believe that there's more consciousness than us but that, that, that it's not god sort well, of thing because because that would have to operate that like there's no scientific support for it we do know that things can evolve to grow brains that give us something we interpret as consciousness we see it happening basically in other animals so it's a pretty transferable process kind of we don't really know what consciousness is so the idea that this could happen for animals and other planets isn't that surprising the idea that the entirety of the universe is a consciousness that is all-knowing and benevolent however there's there's nothing that goes into that that's like a totally other like like saying saying that the universe in its entirety must be conscious because energy begets consciousness at a small scale and the universe is full of energy would be like saying that like the whole entirety of the universe smells like shit because matter at a smaller scale smells like shit in some ways and the universe is full of matter you know it's it's like a completely arbitrary ascription of scale well it's kind of like we know it it applies it's sort of deductive reasoning so we know that it can happen at smaller scale, so it's very likely that it, again, it's not a certain argument, it's definitely the weakest part of the argument, I'm first to admit it, but it's more like, can it, like, is it possible as a concept, basically? But anything can be possible, there would need to be, like, evidence to believe it over believing other things, like that the universe isn't sentient, for which there is as much evidence as you can reasonably get, outside of um, the idea of proving a negative, which isn't really possible. Mm, yeah. Um... I guess the, uh, it would involve other arguments other than just the argue, like the argument from pe uh, pan hold on, pantheism, I guess. So Moralist, I guess, um, moralists. yeah, there, there would be other arguments. Um, but the only other arguments I really have, are, well, there's other arguments, but it doesn't really address that specific issue. Well, it's fine. I mean, and, I, don't, I don't think I can rationally convince you because it's a faith-based issue. I, I mean, I would never, this is why I generally don't talk about religion, right? It's because like at the end of the day, um, we, we, the, the priests, like the, 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 the basic building blocks of the arguments that we were applying here aren't being done on the same playing field. We're not talking to each other right now, right? Like we're shouting at each other from two different fields. Like I'm on the soccer field and you're in on the basketball court, but we can't like, neither of us can win at this game because there are no rational arguments for God. And I can't provide you metaphysical arguments against its existence. So we're, we're both, we're, we're both sort of stuck here, right? Well, it would sort of come down to like other things like the teleological argument or the other, some of those argu other arguments I don't like though. So I don't know if I want to bring them up. Like, for example, I really hate the Kalam cosmological argument because I, I believe in the opposite. So another argument I would believe in is the, and I haven't refined it right. So I'm not interested in an argument. I'm still thinking about this one, but it's the argument from infinity, which is the idea that if the universe is infinite, it, it would have had to have had an infinite cause because nothing finite can cause something infinite. So therefore 
whatever the universe had to, whatever caused the universe would have had to have been infinite um, and it would have had to have an infinite past. And like, I guess God fits that description. But again, I'm, I'm not done refining that one. So, yeah. I mean, keep in mind yeah. that depending on like the time scale, infinite is kind of a matter of perspective, right? If you shine a flashlight into space, it's possible that the photons that you emit will travel literally infinitely, despite a minute amount of energy being um, exhausted in their production. Um, so, I mean, it, re it really depends on like frameworks here, you know, but we don't really understand the properties of space-time that well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of abstract on, on, on all ends, really. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. At any rate, I have genuinely enjoyed this conversation. It's been going on for two hours, and I feel like I should <laughs> subject my audience to something vaguely um, political uh, during the time that I'm streaming. I do appreciate you coming on very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I kind of wanted to talk abortion, but I guess it yeah, doesn't matter. No, I'm deliberately eschewing that one. I have had my fill. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yep. Be well, All right, and well, thank you again. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Take care, and it was a pleasure. This is a punishment to the rest of you. Do more debates. Yeah, okay, I'll give you two hours of theological debate. Are you happy now? I actually enjoyed the convo. I thought that was nice. I liked him. The convo perfectly shows why I hate religion. Yeah, well, I just, I just, <laughs> you know, it's certainly my problems. Um, ugh, God. Okay, listen, I'm going to try to fix the autofocus thing. Just give, just give me a second, okay? I don't know why it's being like this. I... Here, just give me a sec, okay? Just... Do you really think leftist politics and Christianity are incompatible? No, it's not that they're incompatible. It's just that, like, le leftist politics and Christianity being compatible is like leftist politics and making all your decisions on coin flips being compatible. You're deferring to some entirely separate system of judgment that, like, I can't make my regular arguments for and that I don't consider reliable. Like... Maybe there's, maybe there's a dude who's like, um, yeah, dude, I'm like a fucking communist and I'm super pro-communism and I love gay people and everything's great. And like the only reason they're doing this is because they keep flipping coins and landing on like heads. But if they ever hit tails, they'll turn to a fascist or whatever. Like it's, it's, that's a bit of a hyper, hyperbolic, um, example there. But I, I, I want, I want people to arrive at progressive arguments based on like empirical shit. So it's easier to argue people out of bad positions into good ones. That's like the main thing. Because I can't argue against the coin flip, right? Like the, co the coin flip is the coin flip. But as long as people are going to be religious, which they are, hundreds of millions, billions of people world round, as long as folks are going to be religious, it's important to have religious people on our side. For sure, for sure. And I don't think it's acceptable to go ostracizing people because they're religious either, you know? There are religious people watching right now. Probably not that many because of my aggressive anti-theism. Um, but, like, I want the people who are watching right now who are religious to know that I don't think... I, like, I, I, I value your presence as much as any agnostic leftist. I'm happy to share beliefs with you. Um... I just, I just worry that like one, one day a religious argument will be made to you to pull you in a direction that I can't argue you out of because it's not based on utility, you know? Um, what about atheists? Well, atheists theoretically shouldn't be using like religion to form metaphysical presuppositions. 
Uh, it happens, though. There are plenty of bad metaphysical assumptions people can make without religion, after all. Have you talked about the Black Hammer hostage thing? No, that's up next. You can believe God exists and he is correct about ethics and is therefore utilitarian. It's not that different from you choosing to be utilitarian for non-religious reasons. No, it factually incorrect. Totally, totally, totally wrong. The difference there is now you believe that any set of beliefs you have, even if you arrive at them through utilitarianism, are the ones that God backs up, which means that you now have a metaphysical incentive to not re-examine your beliefs. Um, like, you can't, you, like, it's not as though God changes his beliefs when you do, right? Like, if you update your beliefs, it's not as though God is like, oh, uh, better catch up, you know, and, like, changes what he believes is ethical. Um, it's, it's like an incentive to stay the way you are. Um, up yours, woke moralists. We'll see. Yeah, Galilee, we have confetti. Now. Tanya, thank you for the $20. Good convo. It's good to get a refresher on their arguments. No, yeah, it's fine. Well, of course, most religious people up aren't going to be cool and sensible like that guy. We'll see who can. You had a pretty long Christian convo with that anti-anal JLP dude. Hake? Yeah, but that was hardly, like, a real theological convo, right? Like, not really. Do you think religion is something that's going to be evolved out socially, or is it a permanent thing we have to do with? I have no idea. I don't know. Some form of Durkheimian religiosity is always going to be present in human behavior, but whether or not spiritualism and metaphysics are, I don't really know. Um, it's, it's impossible for me to say. I don't know.